There it is. Alright, moving on. Did the microphone drink I've been a sports fan my entire life because all of my friends are horrible people. Yes, Cam had a very bad game. Can we get that on tape? Get that overrated piece of crap out of this conversation. <laughs> are you sure you want this on tape? That's what I was transitioning to. Big time Timmy Jim Chris Hale, Bartello Cologne. A lot of tears and a lot of beers. I can't argue with anything you say. Hello and welcome to another episode of Late Night Shots. This one's going to be a little different tonight as it is just me, all by myself, recording. Uh, Brad couldn't make it. Alex is down at the Mariners game. And Landon is off to New Orleans to make fun of Drew Brees and try and nurse Cam Newton back to health. So hopefully that goes well for him. Uh, I don't know if it's going to because Cam Newton is looking pretty busted up right now. But we are just going to get right into it with the mulligan this week. And it is going to be the Tampa Bay-New York game. In Tampa, they gave up another touchdown to Danny Dimes, uh, Daniel Jones, and... With a little bit of time left, Tampa Bay drives down Mike Evans with a nice catch. And they're inside the, or right about at the 10, 12-yard line. Tampa takes a delay game, five-yard penalty, because their kicker is better from farther away, according to Bruce Arians. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but the kicker missed it. So they took a penalty because supposedly it made him better, and he ended up missing it. So they lost to the Giants. Now, I don't know about you, but the Giants have not looked good this year. I don't know if that was an Eli Manning thing or if it's just the whole team. But they got Danny Dimes in there, Daniel Jones, and he's looking all right. Uh, what was it? He's played one game, and he had over 35 fantasy points. And Eli Manning's 232 games, he had over 35 fantasy points once. So he's matched him in that at least, which is kind of neat. But Tampa Bay, had they should have won this game. They had every chance to, and they just kept giving it up, and the rookie for the Giants is making everybody question if maybe he was a good pick for them. Uh, they took him really high, but if you get your quarterback of the future, it doesn't really matter where you take him. But we know that Tampa definitely wants to take a mulligan here because they have had kicking issues for a long time, and it reared its head again right here, and especially in that NFC South division where it breezes down, the Panthers don't look that good, and the Falcons look terrible, which is something that Landon did mention before the season, was that that old line is really rough looking, and it hasn't gotten any better. The division looks to be up for the taking, and Tampa missed a huge opportunity here to go to 2-1, and one, and they would have stayed tied with the Saints. Instead, they fall to 1-2, and two, and it's probably going to be a really long road for them. I know they want a mulligan. If you want to take advantage of yours, you can head to Homestead Farm and Golf in Linden, Washington. Mention late night shots for a free small bag of range balls. Um, while you're in the pro shop, you can check out their Cleveland and Triction clubs and apparel. Um, make sure to like them on Facebook and Instagram. Stay up to date on their upcoming winter events. They might have some fun leagues and mini tournaments to keep you going throughout the winter months. So make sure to check those out. So head to Homestead for all your golfing needs. And it is going to be a little different this week. Normally we kind of recap four games. give you some the ones that Alex wanted us to talk about or preview um, Brad and Landon decided not to take part in filling out the sheet that we use uh, so it's just me with a little bit of help from Alex and the one Alex put on here which I think in part was to make fun of Brad is he wanted to talk about Titans and the Jaguars 
Oh yeah, water break. Take that. And I don't know what's wrong with the Titans. Um, they look good at the start of the year, kind of, because the Browns just fell apart. But since then, the Titans have not been good. Um, Mariota leads the league in sacks. He's been sacked 17 times. And I think he's just holding on to the ball too long because he also is second in the league in passes over 40 yards. He has four completions um, that have gone over 40 yards. And so he's just holding on to it too long. And against his Jaguars front seven, that's just not something you can do. Um, he was sacked plenty of times in this game. Um, he still ended up 23 for 40 with 300 yards, but a lot of that was just trying to catch up. Um, and really the story is Jacksonville's front seven, uh, they had nine sacks, three by Calais Campbell, two by the rookie Josh Allen, and two more by Dwayne Smoot. Um, but the biggest story is Gardner Minshew the second. Um, he's looking good again. 20 for 30, only 200 yards but two touchdowns, and he's just not making mistakes. Um, he's got the team a win on, finally, so they're one and two, and – if you told people that they would have no Nick Foles at all this year, really, because he went down in the first quarter of the first game, I think, and if they had, you told them they had a win right now, they'd probably be happy with it. Um, he's probably going to have his work cut out from his team, start to get tape on him, but he just kind of seems like none of this stuff bothers him. Being in the NFL doesn't really bother him. And he's doing what he can and putting the team in a position to win. If he can continue to do that, it'll be pretty interesting, but... These two teams are both now 1-2, and two, and it's looking rough for the Titans. Um, they're going to have to start blocking for Mariota or for uh, Ryan Tannehill, as Brad really hopes for. And it's going to get a little easier after the next game because Taylor Lewan, their all-pro left tackle, will be back after his four-game suspension. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is the Bills. As they improved to 3-0, and and they're now one of the seven, I think, undefeated teams in the NFL. Um they were up 14-0 on the Bengals and looked like they were going to coast. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the fourth quarter, they were down 14-17. to I don't know what happened there. It was really weird that the Bengals all of a sudden picked it up. And there's the train in the background. Um, Andy Dalton had seven yards or something like that with only a couple minutes left in the first half. Just the Bengals were really struggling to do anything. But a couple turnovers got him back into it. And the Bagels, for the second time this year, had a chance to get a win. Uh, they had a chance in week one against the Seahawks and another chance here against the Bills. But Josh Allen, that's right, Josh Allen was actually able to lead a team to victory and has the Bills tied at the top of the AFC East with the Patriots now. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens next week when the Patriots travel to Buffalo to play the Bills. Uh, it's going to be huge. It's kind of like the game of the week. Um, one game that was definitely not one that people wanted to watch was the Dolphins at the Cowboys. And it almost seemed like the Dolphins were a real NFL team for two, two and a half quarters. It was six to ten at halftime. The Cowboys were up. And then one of the Dolphins running backs fumbled inside the ten, and it kind of fell apart from there. Cowboys put up two touchdowns in the third and another one in the fourth, and they actually ended up covering they were the first team to cover a 21-plus point spread in 15 or 20 years. Um, I think the line ended up being 23 points or something like that for this one. It might be the biggest spread you see all season. And they were able to cover, which is crazy. Um, Dak looks really good. Um, 
the new offensive coordinator, uh, Kellen Moore, for the Cowboys. He's put in a different system to kind of utilize Dak's legs and his ability to move around in the pocket, and it's really helped. Um, And Dak is just piling on money under that contract he's asking from Jerry Jones because he has been playing incredible this year. And they showed that they kind of have a nice backup for Zeke too, and I don't know if it's just from playing Miami, but Tony Pollard had over 100 yards and a touchdown, which gave Dallas – 230 plus yards from their two running backs. It was a nice day all around for the Cowboys. It was not a nice day for the Broncos offense as they really struggled to hold onto the ball. They just, a couple bad turnovers. Um, one of them, guy didn't realize he was playing in the NFL and the guys really tried to force those fumbles because he just got the ball stripped from him. Um, every time Denver tried to get back into this game, they just weren't able to do it, and they ended up losing to the Packers 16-27. to um, Aaron Jones, or Aaron Rodgers started off the game with a touchdown, um, and just the Bron- Packers seemed to semi-coast from there as they improved to 3-0, leaving the Broncos at 0-3. A bright spot for the Broncos was Philip Lindsay did start to turn it around. He got the lion's share of the carries, 21 for 81 with two touchdowns, which is kind of nice. Another running back down in Atlanta uh, turned it around a little bit. Devontae Freeman has struggled throughout the first couple games, but he had 16 carries for 88 yards in the Falcons game against the Colts. But that was kind of the lone bright spot for the Falcons. Um, Julio did have a nice game, but a lot of it came in the second half as they were trying to catch up. Um, He ended up with 8 for 128 and a touchdown. And Matt Ryan now leads the league, or he's second in interceptions with 6. This game was 20-3 to at halftime for the Colts. It started to get a little closer once T.Y. Hilton went down in the third, or maybe it was the uh, T.Y. Hilton caught a touchdown and went down with a quad injury. He re-aggravated it, um, and it kind of slowed the Colts' offense down and gave the Falcons a chance to get back into it. But when you're down 17.5, it's a little tough to overcome it. Um, Falcons were able to put up 21 in the second half, but a Colts touchdown in the fourth sealed it as they ended up winning 27-24, to improving to 2-1. and um, and then the game of the week was probably Ravens at Chiefs. And the Ravens just kept making important mistakes in this one. They had an interception called back for a PI that was questionable. Then they did have one that was on the refs where it was a backwards pass, which means that PI is not an applicable penalty. And they were called for PI, which turned a second and 10 which was a first down on the play into a second and long, and then they ended up having to kick a field goal or punt, so it cost them points there. And they just kept making big mistakes. Um, I think it was McCole Hardman had a 87-yard touchdown catch, and there was just no one covered him, which is not something you see by the Ravens very often. Um, the Chiefs had a big second quarter for the second week in a row. Last week against Oakland, they put up 28 points in the second quarter. This week they put up 23. Part of that was because they were inside the 5, inside the 10 as the second quarter started, and they scored right away. Um, the Ravens got on the board first and made it seem like it was going to be a closer game than it was, uh, but they went into this halftime down 6-23. to 23. They tried making it a game, but they just weren't able to do quite enough as they ended up losing 28-33. to 33. A bright spot for Baltimore was Mark Ingram. He went 16 for 103 with three rushing touchdowns. And Lamar Jackson added in a touchdown on the ground in the fourth quarter. 
and he shook some fools in this game. He put the moves on a couple linebackers, some linemen. He even put a nice spin move on a secondary guy as he got into the end zone for his touchdown. And another running back who had a good game, it's kind of been the theme this week, was Dalvin Cook. He went 16 carries for 110 yards and a touchdown as the Vikings dismantled Oakland. Um, Oakland played their first road game this season, and it looked like they stayed in Oakland or Vegas or wherever they're going to be playing as Minnesota took it to them with a solid ground game. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins was 15-21 for about 170 yards, so he didn't have to throw a ton because they were just able to handle their business on the ground, and Minnesota is now 2-1, and one, uh, leaving the Raiders at 1-2. and two. And then we had the Patriots and the Jets. Um, Patriots went up 20 nothing in this one pretty quick, and it looked like they were going to cover. I think it was 23 to nothing. This was another game where the spread was 20, 21 points. But unfortunately for the Patriots, they put in their backup, and he threw a pick six, and then the Jets got another touchdown late to end up losing 14-30, to leaving them 0-3, tied at the bottom of the division with the Dolphins, who are actually an NFL team, as the Patriots sit at the top of the division at 3-0, and tied with the Bills, heading into that big game next week. Uh, one of the games that quietly was very interesting and you kind of didn't expect it with how the Lions have played. But the Lions ended up edging out the Eagles 27-24. to And a big part of Philly's struggles so far this year at being 1-2 and two is they cannot stay healthy. Um, they're all pro left tackle, I think you'd call him. Jason Peters, he had an illness, so he didn't really play. Um, their receivers have been out with Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey leaving Nelson Aguilar as the top receiver on the team, which is unfortunate because now even people who are catching babies out of windows are calling Aguilar out. I don't know if you've seen that video, but it's pretty funny. Um, and Aguilar just keeps dropping important passes. He dropped a big one in the Falcons game, which they lost earlier this year, and just he had another big drop in this game. And the Eagles are now 1-2, and two, and they have their work cut out for them because the Cowboys are 3-0, and oh, so they're already two games back. Um, the Lions are kind of undefeated. They're 2-0-1 after trying to blow it against the Cardinals earlier this season. Um, Stafford had a nice game. Marvin Jones actually had over 100 yards, which is good for the Lions because it's mostly been Kenny Galladay. And for the second week in a row, TJ Hawkinson only had one catch. So you have to wonder if it's very matchup based with his production because the first week he had, I think, six catches for over 100 yards. And he's had one catch and one catch since then. So I don't know if it's a little bit of rookie fatigue with him or just getting used to playing in the NFL or if it's just scheme, but it'll be something to watch going forward as the top 10 pick at tight end has been very up and down this season. Oh, yeah. Nope, it didn't pause. Just a nice water break. Uh, Panthers, they had their only quarterback to throw a touchdown play in this game in the last what, six or seven games they've had, because I think Cam's last four games, he has not thrown a touchdown. And Kyle Allen threw two in week 17 last year, and then he came into this game for the injured Cam and threw four touchdowns. A couple to Greg Olson, one to Curtis Samuel. Um, so Kyle Allen had a nice game. Christian McCaffrey had a nice game, 24 for 153 and a touchdown. The game was close throughout the um, throughout halftime and into the third quarter, but the Panthers really put it away in the second half, dropping 24 points on the Cardinals in the second half as they get their first one of the year and they keep the Cardinals without a win as they are 0-2-1. And, 
as the Panthers won 38-20. Then mentioned the game in the Mulligan with the Giants beating the Bucks 32-31. Uh, Winston actually had a decent game, but it's because he has this guy named Mike Evans on his team who likes to go up and get anything. Uh, Winston went 23-37 for 380 yards and three touchdowns, but half of his yards and all of his touchdowns came from Mike Evans. And I think he had two touchdowns in the first quarter. Um, but the Bucks had some kicking woes even earlier in the game, and then it led to another woe at the end, which was the mulligan with the missed kick. So the Giants get their first win of the year because uh, Danny Dimes and Danny Jones uh, – responsible for two touchdowns on the ground and another one through the air, I think, as they get their first one of the season. Um, the Chargers just were able to charger it again in their game. They're up 17-7 at halftime against the Texans, and the Texans were able to score 20 in the second half as they take out the Chargers 27-20. to Deshaun Watson had a good game. I think he finally didn't get sacked four times. And Keenan Allen extended his um, yard lead as he has something like 100 yards more than any receiver in the NFL right now. Uh, 13 catches, 183 yards, and two touchdowns. So it was a great game from Keenan Allen. And just the great game from receivers in back-to-back games. So at least you're looking at the scoreboard with Mike Evans and Keenan Allen. And then in a game, the 49ers really seemed like they did not want to win at all. They had four turnovers in the first half. They had another very tough turnover in the second half where one of the running backs fumbled it inside the red zone. But thankfully for them, Mason Rudolph is playing quarterback for the Steelers and he gave it right back, throwing a pick. And the Steelers were able to, or Steelers almost pulled it out, but the 49ers ended up winning it 24-20 as the Niners are undefeated at 3-0 and the Steelers are now 0-3 heading into a fantastic 0-3 matchup with the Bengals next week on Monday night. Gross. Um, but Jimmy G goes 23-32 for 270 yards and a touchdown. Um, Sam Fran actually leads the league in rushing attempts right now. And they just kind of have... Whoever they put in there, it seems like they're able to run the ball well, which is weird that a team with a Shanahan as a coach is able to find running backs kind of wherever they look. As Mostert led the way, I think, with 79 yards. You saw some Jeff Wilson in there. And just kind of whoever they throw in there is able to get five yards of carry, it seems like. Um, Then in another NFC West game, the Seahawks, I don't know if they thought that the Saints just weren't going to show up or if they were going to an easy Saints team. But the Saints took the first punt return of the game that they had back for a touchdown, 53-yarder, and they never really looked back from there. 20-7 um, to 7 at halftime. Bridgewater has a good game, throwing two touchdowns. Um, and it was 27-7 to 7 heading into the fourth. You look at the final score and it's 33-27. It was not that close because the Seahawks' final touchdown was on a – the last play of the game or an untimed down or something like that. So it really didn't matter. Um, for all intents and purposes, this game was 33-20, to 33-21. Um, Tyler Lockett did have a great game. 11 catches for 154 yards and a touchdown. It does help when you're only throwing the ball in the second half and just trying to get yards to catch up. Um, Wilson threw 50 times which for 406 yards also, which is probably up there for a career high for him. Um, it's definitely not something the Seahawks want to be doing. I know Pete Carroll likes to run the ball, and that's something they try and focus on. But when you go down big and you go down early, 
it's really hard to run the ball because there's just not enough time to try and catch back up doing it that way. Um, final game on Sunday last week was Rams at Browns. And this game ended up being kind of disgusting. It wasn't a good game. Uh, the Browns do not look good. And throughout the first half, it was 3-6. to six. The Browns were ahead. Um, Rams were able to bring it to them in the fourth quarter by scoring 10 points to go up 20-13 to 13 and get the win. And that keeps them at 3-0, and tied atop their division with the Niners. Um, you have to wonder if the Browns are in over their heads a little bit with all the praise that was heaped on them at the beginning of the season. They're 1-2. They haven't looked good in any game because they destroyed themselves against the Titans with that 18 penalty game. They beat the Jets, but almost every team in football can do that. And then they just did not look good against the Rams in this game. Uh, Chubb was able to get almost 100 yards on the ground, but Mayfield and Chubb just can't seem to have a good game at the same time, which could be problematic. And it's going to be on Mayfield next week because as they go to play Baltimore, it's really hard to run against the Ravens. So you're going to have to see if Mayfield can repeat the game he had last year against them where they won 12-9 to or something like that, where he put up 380, 400 yards against them. And the final game of the week, the Monday night game, was an ugly game as well. This one was over right away. It was 28-3 to at halftime. Uh, Taylor Gabriel had an incredible game. He had two short down touchdown catches, and then he had a third touchdown catch late in the second quarter where it was kind of a over-the-shoulder toe-tap 30-plus yarder that he caught in the end zone uh, for his third touchdown of the night. And he pretty much only had three catches throughout the first two games, and the fact he had three touchdowns in this game was pretty neat. Uh, it was about time Trubisky had a good game. He looked really rough in the first two, so I don't know if it's just about playing the Redskins or if he actually is bringing it around. It just did not look good for the Redskins. And Keenum kept throwing interceptions and ugly passes, and it just looked like the Redskins did not want to win, which, hey, it could be the case. Maybe they don't want to win because it's kind of what you want to do when you have a young quarterback sitting in the wings. Um, if they can keep him on the bench and healthy all year and only end up with a few wins, it's really not the worst thing because you can build around him, maybe get in a left tackle or at least pay the one you have right now so you can have some protection for him going forward and be a decent team next season. That'll do it for last week's games. Uh, we'll jump to looking forward to the week four slate and see what we got going on there. Um, starts off with a Thursday night game. And I'm guessing people thought this would have been a bigger deal heading into the season. With the, but now the Eagles are only 1-2. and two. The Packers are 3-0. This game's in Green Bay. Um, but Vegas still has them as pretty even. They got Green Bay as a four-point favorite. Uh, Green Bay usually gets a little bit extra at home. Um, normally you get three points. I think Green Bay gets three and a half. And it's really going to depend on if the Eagles receivers can make plays. Um, I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be able to do it with a restricted receiving core, especially against this Packers defense that has looked really good. Um, they spent a lot of money on their defense this year. Getting what uh, Adrian Amos and Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and a couple other guys to come join this team. And it, it looks like it's making a world of difference. Um, last time the Packers led the league in defense, they won the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's going to happen again, but they sure do look good. Is But the offense is leaving a little, um, a little, 
just they don't look that great. Um, Aaron Jones is averaging under four yards a carry. Aaron Rodgers seems to put together one or two good drives a game, and that's about it. And for the Packers to really make some noise, especially as they get into tougher competition, Rodgers is going to need to put together a good game, and the defense is going to need to hold up. Um, and as the Packers start playing these tougher teams, it'll be interesting to see if that 3-0 start is real or if it's just a product of who they were playing. Um, and then the Sunday games start, and the first one on the schedule is two teams that are very disappointed in how they've played this year with the Titans and the Falcons, both 1-2. and two. Derrick Henry is about the only bright spot for the Titans until um, Taylor Lewan comes back. Henry's got over 200 yards on the ground. Um, Julio Jones has 265 yards and four touchdowns already. Um, this could be the year that Julio Jones finally has a lot of touchdowns. But if the Falcons aren't able to do anything else, it's going to be wasted. And they did have some bad luck last week with Keanu Neal, I think. Going down for the year, he tore his Achilles. And it was a bad look on the refs again in a game where he goes down, he tears his Achilles. He's, he's in obvious pain and distraught. And he throws his helmet, bam, flag for taking his helmet off. They tried to explain what happened. Refs didn't care, still gave him the penalty, um, which is kind of a bad look. But because when guys get hurt, they want to take their helmet off. Like They don't want to be constricted. Um, it's bad for the Falcons, and it's even worse that they're one and two. They're starting to lose players again with that O-line now on the defense. It's going to be a long road for them to get back onto it, and hopefully they can take advantage of it right here at home against the Titans in week four. Um, loser, this game is going to be one and three, and that is not a place you want to be because it's an obvious loss for the first quarter of the season. Um, and then we got a matchup of the 3-0 and teams, uh, Patriots at the Bills. Uh, Vegas loves New England here, having them seven-point favorites, which means they think that they're about 10 points better than the Bills. And every eight years, the Bills are able to upset the Patriots. The last two times it happened, the Bills were terrible. Uh, right now they're 3-0, though. Um, Josh Allen looks like he might be a decent quarterback, top 15, maybe top 10, because that's all that really matters. Uh, John Brown, who came over from Baltimore, and he was doing well. He had some nice chemistry going with Flacco. And then he kind of got hurt, and things weren't going great. Well, he's already got 18 catches for 250 yards this year. And it's going to be interesting to see if he can do anything against the Patriots, because the Patriots have really good corners. Um, with Stephon Gilmore as one of them. And just it's going to be a game to watch to see if the Bills, who haven't had the toughest competition, if they're able to do that against Brady, who seems to be on fire. He's playing great, over 900 yards already. So he's on pace for almost 5,000 yards. He's got seven touchdowns. So really, this, is, this might be the game to watch this week. And then for the first time in his life, Patrick Mahomes is playing in a dome, which seems kind of odd through, what, 20... 23 games, including the playoffs last year. Um, as the Chiefs travel to Detroit, you have to wonder if Mahomes is going to put up one of those rookie Madden-type stat lines where he throws for 480 and four touchdowns on 20 for 22 or something. And he really could do it against the Lions team. Um, the Chiefs are just a whole different animal than the Lions have played this year. And I would, I can't even imagine if Tyreek Hill was in this game what kind of damage Mahomes could do. He's on pace for over 6,000 yards and 60 touchdowns. Um, just Mahomes is a different beast. Um, if Detroit's even able to hang close to him, 
then it's going to speak volumes about what Detroit should expect for the rest of the season. A loss that for them would still put them at 2-1-1. One, and one. It wouldn't be terrible. And if they can keep it close, I think, yeah, it's a loss. But you could take some nice things from it. And that maybe Detroit is a team that you need to watch in the NFC as the sixth seed or something for the playoffs. And then you got the Ewing theory going on in the next game. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, once Patrick Ewing left the Knicks back in the 90s, early 2000s, they instantly became a title contender. I think they went to the finals the next year. Might have been the strikes shortened season, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the Colts are 2-1 and and looking pretty good with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback in the place of Andrew Luck. And not only that, but Marlon Mack is averaging almost five yards a carry on the ground, um, 61 carries for 299 yards. I think part of it is going to be if T.Y. Hilton can be healthy. Um, if the Colts' offense is clicking, it's going to be tough for the Raiders to keep up, especially showing how bad they did on the road last week against Minnesota. The Raiders are not a team that travels well. I'm not sure if they stayed on the road all season or if they went back home and then they're going back on the road. But going from Oakland to Indy, it's not an easy trip. And Derek Carr's been accurate this year, so maybe that'll help. Uh, Darren Waller's been a huge fan, or they've been huge fans of each other as Waller has led the team in targets in two different games. He's got 26 catches already. If the Raiders are able to slow down the Colts, um, maybe they got a chance. But it's going to be tough to beat the Colts here at home. The Colts are feeling themselves being 2-1. and one, And it's just probably too much for the Raiders to overcome. Road team that probably doesn't have to worry about it, though, is the Chargers going to Miami. I know we've said that a lot about the Chargers before, that they don't need to worry about a game, and all of a sudden it's a three-point game at the end. But the Chargers are actually 16-point favorites on the road going all the way to Miami. That is unheard of. Um, usually teams get knocked down a bit when they have to make the cross-country trip. So you have to imagine if Miami was going to play against the Chargers, this would probably be like a 24, 25-point spread. Um, Chargers only have one win, but they likely get their second here. Rivers has done good. Eckler's had a good year. He's got multiple receiving and rushing touchdowns. And then you got Keelan Allen with over 400 yards already. Um, it should be Chargers, and it should be an easy win. And then you kind of got the poop bowl next with Redskins-Giants. Um, would it be cool if Haskins was playing in this game so you could have the battle of the rookies? But you still got Case Keenum. Um, he's been fairly accurate, but he's also had a lot of interceptions and some for touchdowns like in the Bears game. But the one thing about the Redskins is they have no rush game at all. Their leading rusher on the season is Adrian Peterson with 62 yards. Yeah, let that sink in. 62 yards is their leading rusher. That's it. That's horrible. Um, the Giants could get their second win here playing at home. If Danny Dimes is anything at all like we saw against Tampa, it's not like the Redskins are a tough team either. He could be 2-0 and starting off his career, and maybe the Giants could have some of that the same type of Ewing theory that you got going on in Indy where I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but maybe they could be just a feisty team all season who ends up 5-11, and 6-10. and One thing that would really help the Giants would be to have a number one receiver, somebody who could just alter games, you know, like a Odell Beckham. Oh, wait. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, division rivalry game next up. Browns at the Ravens. Uh, this game looked a lot more intense um, at the beginning of the season, but the Browns have really struggled, and the Ravens have looked pretty good. Uh, Ravens are seven-point favorites now. It just kind of keeps going up. 
I think this opened at five, five and a half points for the Ravens. And Lamar Jackson really looks like a quarterback, and he looks like the best quarterback in this division right now. Um, 63%, almost 900 yards passing, seven touchdowns. Uh, Mark Ingram's been killing it on the ground. And for the Browns, it looks like all the Ravens really have to worry about is stopping Odo Beckham, as he still has 19 catches for 300 yards and a touchdown. Um, this game could get out of hand fast. The Ravens' pass has to actually look decent. And you know with Earl Thomas and those guys back there, as long as they're staying healthy, it's going to be tough for Mayfield to make anything happen. Um, the last morning game is Panthers at Texans. Um, I think Landon's actually going to be at this game. Um, he's flying out to New Orleans for a couple days and then driving to Houston, I think, to watch this game. So he's flying to New Orleans so he can just try and throw things at Drew Brees and then driving over to Houston so he can try and make Cam Newton feel better. Or maybe to just praise Kyle Allen, his secret favorite quarterback on the Panthers. Um, it's going to be tough for them, though, going into Houston. Houston's two and one. The Panthers are one and two. The Panthers did get their lone win this season on the road, but that was against the Cardinals, and that's a whole different ballgame than this Texans team. Um, Deshaun Watson's look good, 800 yards and six touchdowns. And if the Texans can contain Christian McCaffrey, which is probably the biggest and maybe only real weapon on the Panthers with Kyle Allen back there instead of Newton, that you can just focus on stopping the pass or stopping McCaffrey, not having to stop a quarterback who can run the ball as well. Um, the Texans should be able to beat the Panthers in this game. And then you got Tampa traveling over to the Memorial Coliseum to play the Rams. And I do not see Tampa playing well in this game. It's going to be a whole different type of animal going up against the Rams than it was going against the Giants. I know Jameis had a good week last week. But it is not likely to happen again against the Rams. Uh, they've kind of been able to stop people all season. I know in the first game against the Panthers, um, they were up big early, if I remember right, and then they made it close at the end. But the Rams at home, 3-0. They should be able to go 4-0 here. And the Bucks really don't have a run game, and you can't do that against the Rams very well either because Aaron Donald, and I'm seeing him wreaking havoc in this game. Only bright spot might be that Mike Evans has another big game as the Bucks just try and catch up. Um, Seahawks are playing the Cardinals, and the Seahawks look to kind of keep track with the Rams as they are looking to go 3-1 and one against the Cardinals, who still don't have a win. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray because Kyler, Kyler Murray is just kind of a smaller Russell Wilson. Um, Wilson's thrown a lot this year. He's already got 105 attempts, which is just way more than the Seahawks want. I think that would put him on pace for like 530 on the season, maybe even more than that. Um, yeah, like 560 on the season, which is definitely not what the Hawks want. They want to run the ball. It would help if Chris Carson, I think, stops fumbling the ball. He's had one in each game so far. He's been their leading rusher with 160 yards. Um, Tyler Lockett's the leading receiver with 280 and 22 catches, but most of that came last game. And So it'll be interesting to see if Seattle can put a full game together um, against a team that's really not going to give up, especially with that air raid offense that Kingsbury is bringing to Arizona. Um, Seattle had a close game week one against Cincy, another close game against Pittsburgh, and then they didn't show up last week for the New Orleans game. I don't know if Pete Carroll got a concussion when he got hit in the face with that football before the game or what happened, but the Seahawks just did not show up last week. Um, 
This one probably is going to give the Pats-Bills game a run for its money for the game of the week as well as the Sunday night game. But Vikings at the Bears, both teams are 2-1. and one. Um, Funny enough, Vikings are 0-1 on the road. Bears are 0-1 at home, so someone's going to get their first win there. And Vegas likes the Vikings here, at least on a neutral field, because the Bears are only two-point favorites. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Trubisky can do anything against the Vikings' defense, because the Vikings have a real defense, whereas the Redskins do not at all. Um, so if Trubisky can play a decent game, ball control, maybe run the ball a little bit, keep the Vikings honest. But I see this as being a very low-scoring game. Uh, Over-under is only 38-and-a-half. And with how much the Vikings have been wanting to run the ball, it's kind of hard to do against Chicago. And I know Dalvin Cook's got 375 yards. I think he leads the league in rushing yards. But it's going to be tough to do against the Bears. Um, if he ends up with over... 75 yards is either going to be because he broke a long one or he went 25 for 77 or something like that. And I'm guessing the final score in this game is going to be like 13 to 10 or something like that. It's going to be a low-scoring game being at Soldier Field. Um, it's probably going to be the Vikings here. Um, that one might be a bet for game of the week. But this one is pushing for the Poop Bowl as Jaguars at Broncos. Um, you got Gardner Minshew heading into Mile High to take on the Broncos and Joe Flacco. And really, just the only bright spot in this game is Gardner Minshew. Uh, DJ Chark's had a touchdown in every game. See if he can keep that going. It's going to be a little bit tougher against the Broncos' defense. As the Broncos' defense looks to live up to its name at the beginning of the season, people thought they were going to be one of the best defenses. They've really struggled with the pass rush, injuries, just doing anything useful. And if they're going to win this game, they need to show up on defense and bother Minshew like they haven't been able to do in any other game this season. Uh, Sunday night game would have been incredible if Breeze was healthy. It still should be pretty good if Bridgewater looks the same as he did last week. Prescott leads the way for the Cowboys with nine touchdowns already through the air, 920 yards. He's on pace to just have a great season at about what 74% completion right now. Zeke Elliott has shown he has got that cobble body gone. Um, he looks ready for the rest of the season. He's already up to about 300 yards, averaging five and a half yards a carry. But it's going to be we're going to wait and see if the Cowboys are able to stop Michael Thomas. Um, he's kind of kept up his pace from last season. He's averaging eight catches a game, so that puts him on pace for about 130 on the season, which is just in line what he did last year. He's breaking records all over the place with fastest two X amount of catches. Um, then Bridgewater seems to like him also. It'll be interesting to see how the Cowboys are able to play in New Orleans for this game. Um, but Vegas really likes Dallas as they have them at two and a half point favorites as they just are going against New Orleans and not having Drew Brees. Final game of the week. They really saved just the greatest game ever for this one as it's Bengals at Steelers. Uh, both teams have looked terrible, and I love it because they're in my division, and I like when those teams suck. Uh, James Conner is looking to get over 100 yards for the season. Andy Dalton is looking to do anything useful for the first time in his life. And John Ross is looking to capitalize on a good first week where he played good in Seattle, like Brad pointed out, because that's where he only ever plays good. But he's been healthy. He's got 300 yards on the season. So it'll be interesting to see if he can pick it up here a bit against the Steelers. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick looked good last week for the Steelers with the pick and the forced fumble. 
So if he can do that this week against the Bengals, the Steelers will probably get their first win. Uh, we'll finish up with some gambling. Uh, first one, or before we get into which picks they are, a uh, recap of last week. I'm now 7-2 and two on the year, which means I'm up 480 jelly beans. Alex went 3-0 and last week to start catching up. He's 4-5, and five, so he's down 150 still. Uh, Brad's 3-3 three and three and Landon's 4-2. and two. But Brad and Landon decided not to play this week because they're scared. Um, Alex did, though, so at least I got somebody to go against this week. Um, the Colts, they're playing at home against the Raiders, and the Colts are a seven-point favorite, at least the time I pulled these numbers. I don't think the Raiders travel well, um, so I think they go into Indy and really struggle against Brissett and the rest of the Colts crew. So I think the Colts win by seven, or at least seven, and Alex is, feels the same way. Uh, second game is the Titans are traveling to the Falcons, and they're four-and-a-half-point underdogs. Um, I don't see the Falcons as being that much better than the Titans. I think that, <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. I think the Titans are able to keep this one close and probably pull it out, but if they can lose by four or less, that means they cover, which is what I'm going for here, and Alex agrees. Uh, the last game of the week is the one we disagree on as the Broncos get the Jaguars at home. They're three-point favorites, which Vegas, which to Vegas means they're even. Uh, you usually get three points at home. I think the Broncos win this one. Their defense finally shows up. Minshew maybe has just an okay game. And I think the Broncos win by at least three, where Alex thinks the Jaguars will keep it to two points or at least win the game. Uh, so those are the picks for this week. Reminder, it's betting 110 to win $100. Um, keep updating you guys as the weeks go and how we're doing. And before we get out of here, I want to remind you to check out the House of Hoodies. Use promo code SHOTS to get 15% off your order so you can get a slick hoodie. Um, they don't do just football. They do basketball, baseball, hockey, um, kind of pro sports in general. They don't really do college, though. So you can head to the House of Hoodies to check out some great hoodies. And remember to use that promo code SHOTS to get 15% off. And then if you want to follow us or see anything else we got going on, you can head to Patreon, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, which Landon keeps up on. And check out Late Night Shots or underscore Late Night Shots or Late Night Shots podcast. Kind of depends on what was available um, to see all the stuff we got going on on social media. So make sure to go and check it out.